Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. slumbered and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those maidens rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, Perhaps there will not be enough for us and for you. Go rather to the dealer and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards the other maidens came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Lord, help us this morning as the followers of thine to address ourselves to living for this day. My friendly shell station operator down here on Hikes Lane, we seem to have a ritual worked out. Every time I go in to get gas, I complain to him about raising the gas on the gallon every time I come in, and he always responds to that by saying that I would get more mileage per gallon if I would have my car tuned up. And so it has come to the place now is all I have to do is go in and say hi to him and he tells me you would get more mileage if you would have your car tuned up. Sort of like a friend of mine that I had in one of the other churches that I was privileged to be the preacher of, his concept of driving a car was to go buy one and to drive the thing until it just quit. He would never take it in to have a checkup, would never take it in to be washed or anything else. He would just drive it and drive it and drive it and drive it until, as he said, until it started to sputtering and spurting, jerking and jumping. And uh, if it did that over the first uh, five minutes or two blocks, whichever came first, he knew that it was time for him to go and trade the car in or sell it. He tried to sell me one of his cars one time, and I asked him, I said, Tom, I said, uh, when was the last time you changed oil in this car? He says, well, preacher, I've never changed oil in this car. <laughs> and tried to get me to buy it. Well, some people, the multitudes of us, if we're not careful, that is just about the way that we try to live, and we treat life. Just like this friend of mine treats his car. He thinks he can just jump in the thing and take off and then never anywhere, any place, give any thought or concern to the danger signals or to the red lights that might flash on the dashboard, knowing that the thing was in trouble or not, and keep on driving it until at last, one morning you wake up and grind away on the starter, leave and do that, and the thing will not start and then you need a major effort in order to be able to get the thing going again. I was called a couple weeks ago to come to see a man that's in the hospital here close to us, a man that I've known through the years. And again, I had the privilege of working with this man in a, in a church in years gone by. 
My buddy was over here at Our Lady of Peace, Bryan Hospital, doing a great job helping people to get themselves back together again. He'd been there for about two weeks, and then he called and asked me to go over and, and see him. And so I hobbled over there to say hi to my friend, and I asked him, I said, uh, how in the world come that uh, you finally wind up here in need of this type of medical help? He said to me, preacher, it's a long story. And if you got the time, I'd like to tell you about it. And so I told him, I said, dear friend, I have time. And we'll just sit here and talk as long as you want to talk about it. And we talked for quite a while. And then after talking to him for quite a while, I said to him, now you begin to realize the why that you are really here. He says, yes, I do. He says, now, preacher, he says, I could tell you that it's because of uh, when you left the church, uh, we got into another fight. And uh, the little tree out in the front yard there, he said, I could say it was, uh, we got in a fight over that, and it's their fault that I wasn't in the church. And I could tell you that we got in a fight, but where was going to plant that tree in the front yard of the church, on what corner was going to go? He said, I objected to it, and they went ahead and did all my objections and planted the tree in the wrong place, and I didn't go back to church and the tree died. <laughs> Now you have to see a little humor in that. <laughs> the poor tree got mixed up in it too and it died. Well, anyhow. <laughs> and I think there's where it started, really. So now I could tell you that it uh, used my family and say they were the cause of it, a part of it. I could look at the job and tell you as my boss and, and the superstructure the, in the plant where I work. And, and I could tell you as a church and I could tell you this and I could tell you the other. He says, but you know, the truth of it is, preacher, he says, I don't have anyone to blame for being here but myself. I said, brother, you have got your head screwed on straight now. It may have been somewhat missed when you came in here, but you have got yourself back together again. He says, I hope so. I said, friend, there's no hope about it. I said, any man will come to the place, regardless of what he's been through, and come to the place and see that he is totally and completely responsible for his well-being, mentally and emotionally, he is a very healthy person. Now that's the way it is. But you see, it is a fact that we can come to the place where that we can vacate this responsibility that is really ours and go on about our uh, business or leave it to someone else and lay it on to someone else and so on and so on. If we can neglect our life, we can neglect every danger signal that comes in our mind. We can neglect every caution light that flashes in front of our drive our soul. And we can ignore every red light and just keep on living the way that we are. And if you're not careful, we'll come to the place where we will find life completely disengaged and completely deteriorated until at last we come to the place where we find that it's not worth the effort of living. Yep, that's a real possibility. The real question is this morning, what quality and depth of life do you have? That's the question. Is life really being lived by you or are you just living? Before any car stops, most of them, there's always those danger signals that flash. And before any life falls apart, beloved, the same thing is so. I have never had in my experience a person that I've ever talked to in all of my life about living and about life falling apart and finding that it had fallen apart for them to begin to put it back together, but what hasn't come to a place to see. There were many many flashing signals that told them a change should be made, some consideration should be given, 
but ignoring every one of them and going on down the road until at last life falls apart. Well, this morning, what are some of the signs in a life that will tell us that we're in trouble and that we need help and that we'd better slow down and we'd better get it? And I want to mention just two or three of them very quickly to you. The first one I would put, and I would almost put this at the very top of the list, that when you begin to deceive and lie to yourself, when you begin to deceive and lie to yourself, one of the strangest phenomena about a human being is uh, that we are capable of and will set out to be deceptive to the self, or to our soul, or to our personality. Now, it's one of the most difficult things in this world to explain and it's one of the most difficult things in this world to get a, a person to see that this is something that they should not do. Beloved, you're in trouble when you begin to deceive and lie to yourself. When you begin to think of everybody else being your problem. When you want to let on to your friends, your neighbors, your school, your church, where you work and everywhere else, that that's my problem. Well, that's not your problem. If it's that type of thing that causes you to fall apart inwardly, you can say that I drink alcohol for medicinal purposes, or I take drugs, and so forth and so on. Or you say that I uh, do this and I do the other in order to please someone out there, or someone over there, or to offset this situation, or that. And all the while, it's for a different reason that you're doing it and you're lying to yourself about it. Beloved, you can let yourself become unkept and you can lie to yourself in such a way that somewhere, someplace, they're going to pick up the pieces of you if there's anything left of you to pick up. And that's a fact. And you can lie to yourself and you can say that what uh, has been said this morning, we're right now in the process of thinking about the leadership of this church for another year. And when you're called upon, you can just flat out tell them that you're too busy to be involved. Beloved, the greatest deception of all is when you come to the place where you cheat and you lie in relation to your spiritual condition and your spiritual need that you have. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't care if you're the president of the bank, the United States, or wherever you are, or what kind of a position that you hold that you have. Let me say to you that if you're too busy to be involved, and the spreading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, dear friend, you are too busy. You are far too busy. You are far too busy. You're too busy. Stop lying to yourself. Don't tell yourself that there's something else that's more important than your lifeline with the Lord Jesus Christ. There isn't anything upon the face of this earth, even if you had this whole world under your control. What if you had this whole world, the scripture says, and lose your only soul? What gain do you have? One of the first things that should flash within your mind, and when it does, a danger signal is when you know that you're lying to yourself. Not anyone else, not the preacher, not the church, not your boss, not your wife, family. It's what you do to yourself. Beloved, correct it. You are far too great and too important to deceive yourself. You are a creation of a living God. You are a spirit as well, and this spirit lives within a physical body. But don't you ever let yourself be told that you're just a physical being and that's it. My friend, the part of you that lives forever is spiritual. Don't be deceived. 
Don't let yourself deceive yourself. Number two, when you refuse to think for yourself. When you refuse to think for yourself, you're in trouble. Now that's an easy thing to do. But it's one of the most serious things in the world is when you vacate your position as a personality and let someone else do your thinking. Now in this month's Time magazine, the Lickman, the man that is still in prison from Watergate scandal, has a very interesting article in there in a letter that he has written to uh, the judge that sentenced him to prison. And one of the things that leaped out to, to me more than any other thing that this man has had to say was that he made the mistake when he committed himself to some other person's thinking. When he let someone else decide for him what was ethically and morally right and wrong. Well, whether it be a Lickman or you or anyone else, when we come to the place where we vacate our God-given responsibility to do our thinking on our own two feet, not that we don't listen to other people, but we have to do our own thinking. And when we vacate this position and responsibility, it will be one of the most awesome hours within your lives. Now, we'll do that because uh, we want to be accepted. Maybe that was Father Lickman wanted to be accepted by the powers of our country at that time. The desire to be accepted. Or we have a low self-concept. Or we're too lazy to think for ourselves. You know, you'd be surprised at how many of us are too lazy to think. Now, I discovered a long time ago, a long time ago, that in all probability, the laziest thing about you is your mind. The laziest thing about the average human being is your mind. Now, for some strange reason, this thing, in order for it to really to work, and for it to really to do a job, has to be forced to. You have to discipline it. Ask anyone that's in college or in school and see what they tell you. You have to force this thing to work. You have to discipline it. If you don't, you know what it's going to do? It's going to follow the line of least resistance. And it's going to turn over to someone else with God-given responsibility. Or we're indifferent towards what's going on around us. And so as these strange people within the parable that Jesus told, they woke up and found that their oil had run out and what a tragic situation that was. And it can happen to any of us or to all of us. Beloved, as life goes on and as you have the opportunity to think for yourself, you had better start doing it. The most precious thing that you have here is life. And you had better accept the responsibility for it, as God would have you uh, to accept the responsibility. But it's one of the most difficult things in the world to do is start thinking again for yourself after you have vacated this God-given privilege and responsibility. I've been talking with a person that's not of this church, and if he knew who it was, I wouldn't say what I'm going to say at this moment. But typically of a situation where we have turned our mind off, so to speak, and let someone else think for us until at last we come to the place where we can't be positive about anything. I talked to this person in a positive way, and I says, is that right? And she says, but we'll say, well, I guess that's right, or I hope it is, or it seems to be, or that's what has been said, and so on and so on. And I stopped her the other day. I said, stop where we are right now. Can you make any kind of a positive statement to me about anything? And you know, 
Why? It couldn't be done. It couldn't be done. What a strange phenomenon. What do you think? Now, after you have committed yourself to what you think and you have thought it through for yourself, commit yourself to it and act upon it. It would be better to even to act upon something that is half wrong than to never act on anything that you have ever thought through. Thirdly, another danger signal. When you become an objector, when you become an objector, when you find that the only thing that you don't object to is the way that you live, you are in trouble. When you find that everything around you is objectionable, but the way that you live and the way that you proceed, beloved, you're in trouble. Here's another interesting thing. We can talk as human beings two hours and tell, it'll take us two to three hours to tell us about all the things that we object to, and we can't even spend ten minutes in telling one of the plans that we have for self. I remember reading of a successful minister and a successful church. Someone asked a question to this minister and to his church that I would like to ask. They said, how do you account for the phenomenal growth and success of this church? He says, well, the thing is, it seems to me to be very simple, really. It takes place within the board meeting. Said, we decided within the board meeting that none of us would object to anything literally anything unless we had a better plan now i thought about that for a while and i thought and i'm still of the same opinion this man has got a hold of something what do we object to in life if we object to it and having something better than that it would be better for us then to leave it alone and to go on about our business but the truth of it is we object to everything and so as a result of it nothing gets done if we had a more creative way to proceed if we had objection. Now, where are you tuning out the world, you see? Tuning out the world. Now, this is a strange thing that can happen to a person, but it can happen, and it does happen. See, you can tune out most anything. Now, I was coming in Old Shepherdville Road here not too long ago. Yes, first Saturday of, of June. I won't forget it for quite a while. The little gal that pulled out in front of me, you know, out there at the Old Post Road, is just as open as this church is here. And about as far as two. Well, anyhow, there it is. She should have been able to have seen me coming two blocks away. Now, she saw the car behind me. She saw the car in front of me. But her testimony is, and what she said to me, she says, I never saw you. Now, how could you miss seeing me as big as I am and riding on that big motor beyond me? But she had me tuned out. I believe, consciously, or unconsciously, she had tuned me out, and I believe what this girl said. She did not see me. I believe with every inch of my being that I was there. Yes, I was there. I got proof of that. Carrying it with me. But she didn't see me. You can come to the place in your life where you have been the objective case, and you will tune life out, and you couldn't see the Lord Jesus Christ if he's standing right before you. It's a danger signal. Watch it. Watch it. It'll do you in. When we come to this place, beloved, there's only one thing that cures, and that is a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening. So as we come to the place where we'll wake up just as these maidens of long ago that were in desperate need of oil at the hour that they needed it and come to find out that they'd run out of oil and they didn't have time to go get any more. Oh, beloved, watch how you spend your time. And you do not have a great supply of it like you might think that you have. It should be dealt with wisely and in a creative way. There's another danger signal that comes up. 
in our life before we go completely astray. When we become a whiner, a whiner. A friend of mine, or at least they were up until a few weeks ago, called me. Well, they still are. I shouldn't say that. And was talking to me about the difficult situation that she was in. Her husband had been forced to uh, retire, and she was concerned about uh, her style of living, whether he was going to be able to continue to live that way, and, and so forth and so on. And of course, I've known her husband through the years, and I know that he owns a farm, doesn't own anything, owe anything on that farm. I know he has a partial ownership of some businesses, two businesses that I know of here within the city, and I know for a fact that one of them is doing quite well. And after she had talked to me about 30 minutes and didn't give me a chance to say anything, I said, oh, you poor baby, I just feel so sorry for you. And there's a long pause after that, and then a click. She hung up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. Now, you contrast that with this one. I think of this little lady, that husband, because of a very severe illness that he had nearly beat her to death one night. Now, just about the time she got over there, three days later, I was able to go back to work and drive the car. Right down here at Tykes Point, she had a terrible wreck. A fella ran into her to the side of her car and just nearly killed her. And I went over to the hospital to, uh, now to try to figure out someone in the church. It's not in this church. I went to the hospital to see her, and she was more dead than alive. She got over that, and, and then come to find out that her daughter, in the meantime, just about the time she was getting out of the hospital, tried to kill herself. She had two sons, and one of them had threatened to kill the other one. And then when she went home, she called me on the telephone and said, Preacher, she says, I need a little help. If you will, please come over. And I went over to her house, and, and while she was away, and the family was all away, the house had been empty for about 24 hours, and a water spigot had uh, popped along the pipes, and had flooded the house completely and totally with water that was running out the front door. She says, if, if you can just give me a little help, I'll make it. I said, whatever help I have, whatever consolation I can be, whatever consolation my church can be, though you're not of our faith, but whatever help and consolation our church can be, you count on. We are with you. I will stay with you. I will stand with you and be to you whatever you think that we need to be in order that you be sustained in this hour. Well, by golly, she stood and she made it. Now everything was going fantastic and wonderful for her. When you turn in to be a whiner, you know one of the marks of a Christian, one of the marks down through the ages of a Christian has been, you know what has been one of the great marks of a Christian has been? That we take our lumps like everybody else. Jesus told us it's going to rain on the just and the unjust alike. Beloved, one of the marks has been that we take our lumps like everybody else. We stand to and abide by, I like that phrase, it comes from a Masonic order, stand to and abide by. Rather, the things that come to us, we stand to it, and if we can't stand there, we just hang to it then. Until at last, God comes to our rescue, and will do with us what he will do. Well, in the last place, and quickly, when we spend all of our time reacting. When we spend all of our time reacting. Beloved, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Your Savior, your Lord, the one who came into this world, came into this world and taught you that you're not supposed to be a reactor. You are an actor. You don't let this world dictate to you what the type of spirit that you're going to have. 
or what is the state of your soul, or what your mental attitude might happen to be at that time. We don't let the world dictate to us that because we act. That's what Jesus was trying to say. You be prepared and you keep yourself prepared. You don't know what hour or what time that God is going to visit you or call you in to take charge of a situation. You be prepared. Don't let your oil run out. Be wise. Be ready to act. When the call comes, do you have yourself together in such a way that you're ready and willing to move upon the situation regardless of what it happens to be? Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ was an actor, and the world then reacted against him, and that's exactly what he's called you to do today. And thank God for it. If need be, let us re-consecrate ourselves. Let us rededicate ourselves. Let us recommit ourselves then to the Lord Jesus Christ. If need be, whatever needs to be done, let us prepare ourselves in order that we might be able to be the disciple that Jesus would have us to be today, right here in this church and this community. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, help us, equip us to be a disciple for you and for the kingdom, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.